Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans, and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. All that connection, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, this well, is pre-show. We're just yapping. I- we, we met basically doing technical discussions uh, uh, initiated uh, when uh, Paula wanted to talk about technical stuff and obviously yeah. wanted to bring uh, Corey in because she's technical. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Jay, I mean, Jay has, you know, given infinite sort of knowledge and wisdom over and over again for us on uh, all things around analyzing brainwaves and, and all kinds of amazing things. So. Well, the bar is full today. You, you we got saw, Dr. Marie coming uh, in, Paula. On um, on your YouTube channel, uh, which I didn't really uh, kind of know about, uh, but I saw a little uh, chat about it. So I went and, and looked, and obviously there's me uh, talking about technical stuff, but Tato's hey uh, talk I think was really quite, uh, quite well uh, done. Uh, <laughs> but... But his comment that everybody knows Jay, I think, is, <laughs> uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody likes Jay. <laughs> oh, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Everybody loves Jay. Well, I'm a bit of an acquired, acquired taste, I'm afraid. There, uh, some, some people uh, would uh, would uh, would prefer not having me around. So. Oh, please. That's okay. Uh, I, I'm not here to make anybody happy. It's so nice to see you, Jay. It's so nice. You got a new dog. Yeah, he's right here. <laughs> another another big lap dog. Went twenty three weeks old, and uh, he's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Uh, anyway, he's gonna stay down there and and decide to try and chew on my feet. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's he's growing fast. Uh, we we got him at twenty at twenty five pounds. He's uh, he's sitting here at about fifty. So. Okay. And Dr. Marie, welcome aboard. Say he's hi to Paula to and Corey. Hi, Dr. Marie. No, doctor, I'm going to correct you. It's Dr. Mari. We, we, Mari. Pete is incorrigible. So uh, <laughs> after all this time, I got Pete, Paula, look how Paula spelled my name. Got... <laughs> <laughs> Mine's easy. Mine's easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I go by hey, you. So, okay. <laughs> so Paula, I understand we're, we're, we're neighbors, so to speak. That's right. You're, you based in Vancouver. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Whistler. Grew up in Vancouver. Corey's in the lower mainland there in greater Vancouver as well. Okay. So, so nice to meet you on this forum. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Paula, how you know Jay? Jay, how you know Paula? Oh my goodness. You know what? It was, um, it's been four years, Jay. I don't know if if you realize that. It's been a really long time. time Early flies days of when sensei. you're having so much fun, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, um, we Corey and I started sensei about five years ago, and about you know a year in, um, after we you know we 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 thought we have something. We're gonna make this you know real. Um, we thought, how do we do this right? Who are the right people to bring on board? Um, and Jay's name kept coming up. 
And uh, we were fortunate enough to get an introduction uh, from Dr. Drew Pearson uh, to Jay uh, about summer of 2019, actually. And, and as I always do, uh, if I was ever offered a fee for the consultation or stock or anything such as that, I always say, well, if you're paying me, how can you trust my advice? You know, so uh, I've I've always declined that kind of stuff. And Just send it I'm, to me, Jay. That's I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy to see uh, the the dramatic success uh, from our initial discussions, which were hi highly technical. And Paula brought in Corey fairly early on uh, to uh, to kind of uh, understand me, I guess maybe. Um, but you know, I I counseled them um, in some relatively non-traditional uh, but advanced uh, approaches at looking at EEG. You know, most people look at the spectra with a Fourier, which has problems. <laughs> um, you know, the Fourier has assumptions that everything is a sine wave. Well, if you've looked at EEG very long, you can tell really quickly, it's not all sinusoidal. It assumes there's no transients and it's full of transients and that there's no state changes. Well, we're full of state changes. So the Fourier is really, we violate every assumption it has and uh, it, it, people kind of plug their nose and do it since it's been done since Berger. Uh, a longer Fourier initially than faster Fourier more, more recently. But it has a, it smears time in a in a nasty way, you know. Uh, for feedback purposes, you can't really use a Fourier uh, with a, a time window because the time window would give you such a delay that you'd be outside the you know the typically assumed 350 milliseconds. Uh, but that th that assumption is a little soft anyway. But that you, mm -hmm. you want to be fairly instantaneous, and and if you had a two second window. Uh, even if you slid it every second, you've got a second of delay, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> 10 times more than what you'd be looking for. So um, it, it, for analysis that's accurate, splitting the EEG into component frequency parts, you can use better tools. I mean, Berger was 1929, and that's really... Uh, old school math, and uh, we've we've got fancier tools. Uh, one that's not commonly used in the neurofeedback world, but it's in, it, it's in active use in the neurosciences, is wavelet analysis, which is so specific. You have one wavelet for every frequency you're interested in, and they react really quickly, so you can have transients. Uh, they don't assume stable state they, they don't assume you're continuous i mean the, their assumptions just kind of say hey eeg's a signal uh, we can analyze it you know so um i suggested that and they were foolish enough to follow my advice <laughs> but it, i love i love how we went so deep so quickly like we're right into wavelet math already but uh, and that's how that's pretty much how it's been since we met jay right so we say yeah. hello and then he starts going into the yeah math i know that's what i say that's why i say hold on to your chair and be, <laughs> beware of the tangents okay 
Paula, That's what the beauty, sense... though, of, uh, of, of Jay, I have to say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> also, He's why gorgeous. some of us, you know, when we first met him, gosh, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say how many years ago, but you pull your hair out. You, The learning curve with Jay, whoo. That's <laughs> right. You didn't pull your hair out, I can tell. <laughs> have, have a sip from the fire hose. So, yeah. Paula, Paula, Corey, what is Sensei? It's S-E-N-S dot A-I. So you, you sneak the AI in there. Do you have yeah. hardware, software, both? What talk to us? We have beginners and end users, and we have uh, yeah. technicians out there that watch and listen to us. Explain what you have. Sure. I mean, it, it's a it's a consumer device. It's a wearable. It's hardware and it's software. So it's uh, it's an easy to use headset that looks like a set of headphones. And it's got electronics inside. And so, uh, you know, in there we have electronics that are reading the brain waves. So the electrodes, uh, we have lights like LEDs that are doing stimulation, light stimulation through the scalp. Uh, we have a pulse oximeter uh, that is reading uh, the heart rate and enabling heart rate variability training. And in, in the app itself, uh, there's all of these various programs that do the heart rate variability training, that do the neurofeedback training, that do the uh, the photobiomodulation stimulation. Um, and we have another part of it, which is uh, guiding you through event-related potential methodology to do uh, a quick uh, brain function test. So all of uh, that wrapped into an app that is gamified, tried to make, you know, all that complexity into something that's consumer friendly um, and and sort of gradually guides you and unlocks over time. We're trying to make it fun to do brain training at home. <laughs> that's that's the idea. We like fun. Fun and, fun and safe. I think and safe, the, yeah. the, the idea of a progressive, uh, if you can do this and control this, then we'll let you try to play with the next step, which if you went to jumping past some of the initial steps, you might step in something, you know, yeah, you're, so you're sounding like uh, me now. So thank you. Yeah. I think their approach has been very well thought out and they've, they've had some, they've other than me, they've had some good consultants, you know? Uh, uh, so I, I would suggest uh, that, it's intended uh, as a high-end consumer wearable uh, that that has a bit of a database of uh, matching the subjective reports with the objective data. They're 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 doing uh, good on the uh, the AI analytics end of it. Uh, you know, I, I I'm impressed with the uh, with their progress now. Um, their their timing sucked. <laughs> they they released in the midst of COVID. Who can do that? You know, um, supply bit. chain craziness and whatnot. So their 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 deliverables now are, are rolling out. But uh, there there was a frustration on the part of some uh, because of that. But I, I mean, who can control uh, international? Uh, supply line and shipping and all, yeah. all of that yeah. uh, so but uh, it all came together so uh, at this point uh, they're they're very nice uh, devices and I, I think the customers will be appreciative of the 
dry sensor uh, approach on the EEG instead of being all goopy. Um, yeah, we, we spent um, really the first year, year and a half of the company um, innovating, trying to solve the electrode problem from a consumer perspective. You know, it, it, in, in a clinical setting, you know, it, you know, you, you have the goop and, and other options, but really, you know, you can't, you can't send somebody a, a device and expect them to get the electrodes in the right position and, um, you know, get a clean signal and all that stuff, unless you, you know, have comfortable electrodes that work through hair, um, and, and provide a really high quality, reliable signal. And so, um, Jay, you know, provide provided all kinds of support for us as we were innovating on that. And, yeah. and really, you know, I, I think what we have is really gr groundbreaking in the consumer space. Well, Corey and Paula, why don't we sell some units here? I don't mind. I'm not sure. <laughs> I got share. share. AI, uh, and, yeah. and you can, you can get it online. I'm, I'm holding it up if it's, yeah. uh, if it's on video. Um, so this is, this is kind of what it, what it looks like. I'll just put it on the AirPods are going to. Electros down the midline. Electros down the midline. FC, CZ, yeah. PZ. And here uh, we have the ground. And here we have the pulse oximeter. And there's oh, wow. seven lights uh, embedded in there. So you can see that. And the signal yeah, so, check. And yeah, you, that, you, to a certain extent, start to avoid some of the clinical EEG difficulties by selecting the midline. Uh, temporal lobe discharges aren't going to be part of the signal uh, at that location. And uh, you're, you're not going to inadvertently trigger a discharge in an area that might cause depersonalization, uh, a, a, a change in the insula. Um, uh, the light's going on and off because the dog is chewing on something here. And it's making noise on the floor. Um, and so, um, anyway, I, I, I think what we've got is a really advanced um, uh, uh, device. Uh, the, the electrodes at FZ, CZ, PZ pick up, CZ picks up somatosensory somatomotor uh, and CZ for beta spindles and insomnia. Uh, PZ is the default mode hub, FZ is the salience hub. Um, you, you end up having a lot of uh, rich um, uh, uh, network interventions with those simple three locations. And yeah, uh, um, that was the uh, first thing we talked about actually when we first came to you, Jay, was how do we make this trade off between uh, the electrodes? Because it was it's also an efficacy versus price uh, trade off. How do we make this available to consumers at a, at a reasonable price? And so, how do we minimize number of electrodes and still be able to do the um, the graduated growth from um, we talk about it like me, we, and all, right? So into into um, from calm and focus into the deeper states of meditation, let's say, right? How do we make sure that we we can do that with just the minimum number of set of sensors? And that's where uh, Jay was really instrumental in helping us understand that. Yeah. And the the addition of the ERP uh, assessment, I think, is is you know, I mean, it. Uh, to the ERP, the EEG is randomized out. What what you're looking at is the brain's response to a stimulus, and it's used routinely as an as an outcome measure in research. So what you, you've got a 
uh, a phone-based uh, stimulator and you pick up the EEG and uh, the, uh, the EEG randomizes out, but you've got the ERP. And uh, the, the P300, the cognitive event-related potential, uh, you can see sometimes there's an early uh, arrival of the P100 in anxiety and uh, there, anyway, you can see all those things, and, and the ERP is a well-respected uh, analytic tool. And, um, on the YouTube website, uh, Tato's on there, and, and Tato's an ERP uh, guru out there, um, and, and the nicest fellow. Uh, and other than his opinion of me, which is, I think, excessive, <laughs> uh, everybody knows Jay. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so, but uh, you, you know, the, the, that as an add-on uh, gives the product something beyond just the neurofeedback and photobiomodulation, pulse oximeter, and, and yeah. HRV, which is enough in the first place. But it gives you uh, world-class outcome-related uh, metrics. So, um, and you can look at the outcome of training uh, uh, in an objective way without, you know, the, uh, nothing wrong with subjective report because that's collected as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But you can then get really solid scientific uh, uh, correlations with, with the subjective reports and the neurofeedback and the uh, neurophysiological measurements and all that. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's, it, uh, it, it's a wonderful world out there uh, with modern technology. You know, the, the first wearable was made by Tim Scully, the Aquarius Electronics out of Mendocino. And uh, it was the Alpha Phone. It was a headset, sponge electrodes, uh, and you know a big kind of chunk on the top of it for a, a, um, an amplifier. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, uh, and Tim was brilliant. We've come uh, a long uh, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was. He was also uh, uh, the the chemist behind Orange Sunshine, so uh, mm -hmm. he did a little time in the federal penitentiary for uh, uh, being the chemist. He tried to create uh, seven kilos, uh, <laughs> which, if you have any idea about a normal dosage and that kind of stuff, seven kilos it kind of wipe out the Western Hemisphere, you know. <laughs> so anyway, he gave himself uh, a little too much alpha, huh? Uh, well, you know, he's. <laughs> He he lived with the Grateful Dead and uh, 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 did their soundboards and stuff like that early on, uh, and then he had Aquarius Electronics and did AG stuff. He got his doctorate uh, while in prison uh, from what oh, is wow. now Saybrook University, um, uh, and and his it was a multivariate analysis of physiological measurements. Uh, to reflect uh, depth of consciousness. You know, very, very nice work. A brilliant guy. So that's probably a good segue into my next question. Um, Paula, how do you prevent the uh, the end user for uh, from going rogue, uh, essentially? I mean, I know you mentioned that there's a progressive program, but is there somebody um, behind monitoring? How, how could, can you ensure the safety of the product? Um, and, um, yeah, that the, who, who has control the user, um, somebody behind the scenes. Can you speak a little bit to that? There's nobody behind the scenes. I mean, there's, um, 
we were first of all we're we're not a medical device and but we do we've already gone sort of into a a very transparent and high i would say high integrity uh privacy policy Mm -hmm. so we don't look at people's data we're not you know we're not uh, monitoring what anybody's doing or getting their results the the system is architected the app is architected with unlocks with cooldowns with with um what what jay has instructed us really on that front and the placement like like jay's saying um and the programs that we've chosen so the the eg does uh allow you to see paroxysmal activity when it happens and uh, you can differentiate that from a movement artifact on the device and so you you know, you you can end up seeing things that need to be um, uh, uh, trained with some more SMR to stabilize. And Paul and and Corey, the YouTube uh, gods of algorithms uh, suggested this show to somebody that's never seen us before, and they tripped over this podcast. They fell in, and they see, oh, that's a nice headset. Who would be using it? Who are some of the people that use it? I'm guessing peak performance, alpha theta training. Uh, for the casual viewer that just came in here, who's using your product? Yeah, I mean, I think it right now it's um, our early adopters, our first couple thousand sort of pre-orders that we're just finishing delivering right now. Um, that's people who see a difference in that 1% of performance. They're already spending money on personal development, whether it's physical or, or, um, or, or mental already. Um, they're athletes or they're executives, they're entrepreneurs, and, um, and they're, they're willing to put in the time. They're not afraid of tech. Um, right. So they're, they're just diving right in. And actually, I do find because I am I'm inter- anyone who becomes an avid user right now. We've been doing I've been doing the interviews with our customer care team, um, and just talking to them, just getting to know them and see how they're using it. And because um, we we really want to be a very customer service oriented organization. Um, and some of the, these folks are very serious meditators as well. So I'm finding some folks are already they're on sabbatical for a year, and um, and they just they just want to go and and have these um, these deeper meditations more consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Theta, alpha, gamma uh, couplings and things such as that can be seen within the EEG. And, and uh, uh, the, the old style uh, uh, assumption in meditation that it's all alpha is obviously not correct. Davidson's lab uh, showed that gamma is a, a crucial part of consciousness and, and meditative expertise seem to have optimized the amount of gamma. Um, but we also have seen a lot of gamma and other things, ayahuasca and things such as that. So uh, uh, obviously uh, consciousness ends up having to have gamma in it. And, uh, you know, digital filters pointed at gamma can ring and ring and ring. <laughs> and uh, the, the wavelet is stable and you can differentiate uh, activity at 40 hertz gamma uh, from a higher frequency that would be muscle. If they happen at the same time, you can negate the the feedback as being artifactual. Um, that uh, the 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 built-in um, uh, pre-process analytics keep it from having um, uh, feedback on junk. Uh, there, there's signal quality, and you know, and 
in traditional EG where you got wet electrodes and you slap them on, you can get the impedance on the skin below 5K, above 1K and balanced. And But for dry sensors, those kind of numbers are not rational. The, uh, when you have a super high input impedance on your amplifier or preamplifier, uh, the, the impedance on the skin is in irrelevancy. Uh, the, the impedance is so high inherently that that's an insignificant difference as long as you have contact. So you can look for DC offset, for instance, and see whether there's contact. If there's contact, you've got it. You know, uh, um, it, 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 uh, and uh, the, the inherent stability of wavelet analysis allows you to see uh, quality of signal as well. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's I, worth I, pointing out, uh, like we actually don't do impedance checks, so our our signal quality check is quite um, unique. Uh, and maybe I, I should hand that over to to Corey to kind of yeah. I mean, I mean, Jay's basically describing you know what we're doing. We're we're in real time, um, you know, analyzing the signal, um, the leading edge of the signal coming through um, for for different. You know, we have you know different metrics that we're looking at across the electrodes. We're looking at correlation between the electrodes. We're looking at all, all kinds of metrics in real time, um, and producing sort of a, a, a signal quality evaluation. Um, and and any any time you know that's you know above a, a threshold, there's you know any any sort of rewarding neurofeedback is is pulled away, um, and that's considered a, you know a poor signal. We we do um, you know real time blink detection. Um, you know, we might have, you might have a good quality signal, but you've got enough blinks in there that it's, it's degrading to the point where you shouldn't be doing neurofeedback uh, that's happening in real time. And we also incorporate that into feedback to the user so that they understand as they're going into a session, you know, Hey, your, your blink, you know, your signal's good, but you're blinking too much. You know, you need to, you know, you know, you need to make an adjustment there and, um, helps, helps teach the them as well. And helps yeah. them understand. So, if we that's had done a, that's just the stuff I wanted to hear. Um, I'd like to loop back also to the question in terms of uh, to, um, uh, how your consumer um, works with that. We, we missed a little bit of what you said because you froze. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know I was just wondering in terms of choosing the correct program, uh, how an end consumer, um, you know, some of us feel that we need to be more aroused, we need more focus when we actually need more coping. Is there a mechanism wherein uh, the device can coach or, or, or suggest so that we don't overtrain? Many athletes, executives, you know, are infamous uh, for that. So can, can you speak a little bit to that, please? Yeah, I mean, there, there's neuro. We have a neuropsychologist as well, um, Dr. Amy Saren. Um, so we we have neuropsych uh, questions that are very very light, but they're part of uh, you know what we call an assessment, um, and we do those periodically. And so okay. there's check ins, and that's the subjective part that Jay's are referring to. And so people can say uh, whether they're having brain fog or they're having sleep issues or having things like that. And so that really helps inform. Um, you know, what's actually blocking them at that time, right? right? And then there's there's algorithms that, um, you know, would then make recommendations towards what mission. And actually, maybe it's worth pointing out the mission. So we don't just have programs that are uh, a la carte. 
So let's say you want to do neurofeedback. You're like, I'm doing beta today. I'm doing, I'm doing theta tomorrow. Um, if we did that, we wouldn't accomplish our mission because people are going to cherry pick and they're going to be scattered and they're not going to see results. And we want them to see results. That's why we have the uh, embedded ERP methodology. So we actually created, what's the shortest a, uh, um, path between A to B? So let's say B is, I want to sleep better. And so we we have uh, multi-week what we call missions uh, as part of this game where they accept the mission and then they stick to a particular sort of, you know, uh, pace, like three times a week, five times a week, whatever it is of this particular program mix. And so that helps us to uh, have like an embedded uh, digital coach, really, that guides them through. And there's more work that we're doing and rethinking on that front. Um to see if we can give more nudges, more coaching, more gamification. Um, so that's that's ongoing work that our team is kind of uh, diving into right now. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll add one more one more piece to that is that we also do have built-in cooldowns to give your, like you said, the over to deal with some of the overtraining because um, you're just going to exhaust yourself. And so um, so that there is you know built-in. Hey, you know you got you got to take a break um, here, and we call it enjoy the vibe. Um, and, and, you know, give yourself that neurological recovery time, because really, you know, if you were any type of physical training or, or brain training, um, you know, you, you, if you, if you overdo it, you're actually not going to get the effect you want either. So, um, that, that's also built in. Right. Where's all the data going? Yeah. The, the, so we, the data, the dot AI, you're yeah. building up a database of the midline J. Like what? What are we building up? On? Well, you've also got HRV, uh, and uh, you know that, uh, um, and uh, the ERP data. So uh, subjective reports uh, correlating with physiological patterns. Um, and uh, I, I think the development of uh, a few thousand users ends up making the size of a database comparable to the size of commercial databases in EEG at this point, and but richer in the uh, correlation with multiple systems. You know, um, I think Tato uh, po point out in his little YouTube uh, interview uh, that, you know, that uh, the HRV is there, uh, uh, pulse, uh, the, the photobiomodulation is there, uh, neurofeedback is there. Uh, the you know the, the multiple systems uh, approach, not just one uh, system approach. So, um, Corey, Corey, where I'm going with it is, you got AI at the end of the, your name. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very hip. I get it. How does artificial intelligence play into your software? Uh, number one and number two, getting back to the database, you have all these providers with their own databases. And some will say, you know, mine's better than yours, blah, blah, blah. You have the, the consumer looking at this. I don't know which one to pick. How do you differentiate from that? And then can we kind of get all these databases kind of together so we can get something in scale to grow the pie for everybody? <laughs> I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, okay, that's probably like 10 questions there. Maybe maybe I'll start and <laughs> Paula can add some color as well. Um, uh I think I think one thing that was really eye opening for me, you know, Dr. Tato, um, you know, let us, you know, a, a, as he was also consulting on doing the sort of the ERP methodology in our assess mode, 
um, you know, he really pointed out that you, that that type of data you can't actually combine across systems um, traditionally in in clinical systems, and so um, you know, so so there's there's technical challenges behind combining data, but in terms of the data that we we are collecting, we're really really excited about the the breadth of data. You know, from the from the assess mode where we can see you know some the the timing of somebody's brain's perception. We can see the timing of you know processing speed. We can see uh, physical reaction time. We can look at you know air detection, air awareness, uh, inhibition, all, all kinds of really incredible metrics just there. Let alone you know all the wealth of information uh, that Jay has provided us around analyzing the EEG metrics and you know peak alpha frequency and you name it there's all kinds of measures anytime somebody does a session um we're building a a, a baseline over time um for for our customers um uh, with eeg snapshots and a really really rich data set and so we see um you know this initial phase of our company is really building the database um and you know the possibilities um, in terms of uh, AI and and other things are really, I mean, you can dream it. Um, it's possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I and guess it's my really... question is, what are you training to? Like, if you're starting out, what mm. what where's the normative? Like, what what's the normative database, or is there one? Oh, that's a good question, Paula. Do you wanna? <laughs> that one <laughs> yeah so we're not really what would i say so the the ai let's go back to your original point so around the dot ai so why did we do that is because that was before all the llms became more pop culture right so this is like five years ago or so um so this was really about building um a data set that could further the field right so when when we came to jay we had a vision around uh consumer peak performance wellness and that's what sensei is that's the product uh the the community that we're building around that is is aligned to a mission of you know understanding that we we sit humbly at this this uh frontier right like there's so much to know how can we contribute to this with a, a database of healthy brains international men and women right uh from ages 13 to whatever um, and and across heart, brain, subjective measures, like uh, Corey and, and Jay were saying. And so really, it's laying the foundation for that research. So whether it's, it's you know, detection of dementia, these are all like future, future things and not part of this specific product. But it is, um, it is an, an important part of Sensei's mission to contribute to the knowledge of the brain and, and the mind generally. Well, Paula, I think you and I need to, to to chat afterwards because it sounds to me like you're on clinical databases and boy, oh boy, that that's something that I really love to, to push. Um, so it's kind of the, the reverse. So uh, no, what's, what's the difference? Well, normative, you're essentially comparing to individuals without um, stress, without ADHD, without anxiety, without schizophrenia, without... Um, uh, addiction, uh, et cetera. Um, and, you know, a big argument uh, is, you know, sometimes it's, you're, you're trained in neutral, um, rather, or, or typical is the polite way of saying it, but you're, you're, you're training to, if we go extreme, to, to, to mush, to, uh, to nothing. 
Um, and if we talk about peak performance, I guarantee you one of my running lines is Einstein's brain was not typical. It was not normative. Exactly. So everything we do here, we're totally clinical. So our database is people with attention problems, with the anxiety, et cetera. And we talk because you're sounding clinical. Uh, so, yeah. well, it, it, it's it's not normative based. It's popu it's you're trying to characterize a population. And that's different than trying to cherry pick something that you think is normal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, getting no pathology of uh, medical kinds of things and uh, uh, you know, IQ sorting out and mm -hmm. finding the normative population ends up being a, an art unto itself. And the databases all have slightly different uh, criteria. Well, Jay, run with your phenotypes. I mean, we're we're sitting yeah. here with the master of phenotypes, so this is exactly what we're talking about: clinical databases, phenotypes. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and ultimately, the the distribution of the normative uh, population mm -hmm. is actually a cluster of different uh, uh, distributions. The the phenotypes are all unique patterns, and when you add them all together, you get the population. And uh, the, and you can have multiple phenotypes as well, but um, the the phenotypes are genetically linked EEG patterns, and they they basically predict if you're going to need therapy or an intervention of some sort, including neurofeedback, kind of what the pattern, you know, what kind of feedback, you know, does this genetically linked pattern need or respond well to. And we've actually done that in research um, in an addiction center, an N of 30. Uh, we had one year follow-up. Oddly enough, all 30 were still clean and sober, which is not a very common statistic that you normally your recidivism is high. 30% uh, success is considered pretty typical. 100% clean at the end of one year is not typical. But we also did Woodcock-Johnson 3. All their neurocognitive scores got on the average 20-point standard score improvement. Uh, when you make the brain work better, it works better. But we found two basic drive mechanisms in phenotypes towards addiction. Two-thirds of them had over-arousal as their core problem, fast alpha, low-voltage, fast EEG, or beta spindles. And that all those over-arousal people ended up with alpha-theta. But that still left a third of the people untreated that had an anterior cingulate issue, which you would catch at the FZ instead of the PZ. So uh, um, we basically ended up having uh, the, the anterior cingulate drive, which is an obsessive compulsive drive towards the addiction, uh, treated effectively as well. So Peniston got 70% success, which is outstanding above the average well, honestly, 10% is pretty common. 30% is what they show in their brochures, you know. Uh, but uh, to have 100% clean and sober at the end of one year is, is extraordinary. We followed them. They're still clean and sober, but nobody wants to hear the data, you know. They don't believe the, the, the one-year data. But it, it was peer-reviewed and published. Um, and uh, the, the, the fact is the phenotypes predicted the training, not the fact that they were addicted. Uh, there, there are uh, symptom-driven protocols. The Peniston protocol, if you have addiction, 
the Penniston or Scott Protocol are the match. But that leaves, again, a third of the people at an anterior cingulate hung out to dry. It's a standardized protocol. You're going to catch a whole, probably the biggest cluster, but there are going to be clusters that you miss. So if you use the EEG instead of the symptom to guide you, you're behaving more appropriately. If we only use symptoms, it's like the cardiologist who has everybody coming in who complains of chest pain go for an angioplasty. Well, hell, half of them had indigestion, you know? So the symptom should tell you what to test. It shouldn't tell you what to do other than test. The testing, the data will guide you appropriately. Uh, the, The symptom gets you to the finding your phenotype. The phenotype will guide you more effectively than the DSM does. There's no predictive validity in the DSM other than billing. I mean, it's very good at predicting billing, uh, but it, it doesn't do anything for predicting what kind of therapy. Let's say you have depression. Does it mean you're going to respond to an antidepressant? Well, hell, there's even a lot of kinds of antidepressants, you know, so it doesn't predict anything. Uh, other than that you need to be tested to find out what's really the core neurophysiological pattern that's wrong and what best matches with that. And the phenotype model is is one way to match people up with uh, a therapeutic. In, you know, uh, but, you know, that, that as a model has been hanging out since I published it in 2005. I was petrified. Uh, it's a retrospective model, you know, Looking back at my memory of 500,000 or more EEGs, these were the common patterns. Two of them had known genetic correlates. The other nine I suggested were candidate endophenotypes. Since they've actually been found, the genetic linkages have been found. Uh, So they are endophenotypic. But um, uh, it was retrospective. If you, if you have a retrospective paper, you can't just take it and run with it like it's prospectively you know, been validated. So there were some that just, you know, it's been published, it must be real. So um, they, they just ran with it. And luckily it, it tested out prospectively. Uh, Martine Arns did quite a few prospective tests of it, uh, I- including uh, iterator reliability on identifying the, the phenotypes. So. Uh, Interrater reliability was uh, uh, Cohen's lambda over 0.9, which is like 90% agreement, basically. CEOs watching this, guys and gals, and they say, you know, I want to improve my performance. They put the unit on. How do we know the the performance was improved from what to what if it's user one? Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's an interesting thing. That's why... um... People want data so much, right? And that's that's what we can give them with, with the tech. Yeah. And we do give result screens. Um, but one of one of our our um our the double-edged sword is that we actually want people to uh to have a good experience and to get into states that they would otherwise not be able to get into. And sometimes analytics holds us back. So so that's why it's gamified. But having said that, yes, after a neurofeedback session, uh, you would get to see something like a flow percentage would be an example, right? So we we speak of it like within the 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you were able to stay in state, you were able to receive rewards um, this percentage of the time. That's the flow piece, right? You were able to maintain a streak for this duration, 
right? A streak being you didn't get distracted, the rewards didn't get below a certain threshold. So, and then we were able to recover back into state in this particular uh, period of time. And so you can track those over time. And just like meditation, you want to be able to sustain your attention. You want to be able to come back from distraction quickly. And you want to be able to stay in flow a larger percentage of the time. Um, in addition to that, because we have the data, we share all the heart information. So the, how much coherence were you in? What was your heart rate variability, et cetera? Um, am I missing one there, Corey? Was there, is there another? Oh, we talk about synchrony as well, if it's applicable. I think that's the other piece on that screen. Yeah, and and also, you know, obviously you can track those over time. Um, you, it ties into the you know assess mode, which we've already talked about. There's all all kinds of really neat data, um, and 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 it's an area that we're going to continue to to add to as you know as we have more data and um, can provide people you know looking at sort of how is it trending and some of those kinds of things. So. Yeah. Kind of where I was staring was, do you, do you want to do a 19 channel and get, you know, get the QEG, see what you got, and then use your product to, tr would you do that? That's not, that's not our direction. No, okay. no, we're, we're, we're very much, I mean, if honestly, like just spitballing here, don't get worried about this, Corey, but if I was going <laughs> to do another piece of hardware, <laughs> I would almost do something more on the uh, subcortical potential side of things maybe. Um, but still on, on the consumer side, you know, we're, we're interested in ultimately in, in consciousness evolution. We're interested in people that want to do personal improvement, that want to uh, build better relationships. You know, one of our roadmap items is uh, group synchrony, right? So we're much more on that side of things. That's where our mission is. Um, the data set aside, right? The data set is really more for researchers. We're working on how might we make that available for researchers to further that field. That's not us, right? Um, so where Corey and I come in is, we're taking a beginner's mind perspective, you know, starting from first principles on the tech. And we've we've reimagined the tech piece because that's our strength. And then we've relied on experts in the field across the brain field to help us to bring the other pieces in so that we're doing this um, with the responsibility that it bears. Right. Um, and and so, um, yeah, so so we we understand where our strengths are. Um, and we're we're not going to be the people who are who are researchers in particular. Paula, is it fair to say then that you're in personal development rather than in clinical work? Is that a good way? A hundred percent. Yes, yes. We're we're not a, a medical device. Um, yeah, we're not we're not um, an FDA approved device. Uh, it is really for wellness. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, listed differently for the FDA. It's a general health and wellness device, as a, as opposed to a five ten k medical device for uh, EEG uh, uh, medical application. And and there are uh, those who try to kind of skirt around uh, and and you know um, uh, call what they are they have general health and wellness, but they kind of claim, um, you know, when, when you actually look at how they're used, people are claiming clinical applications for it. Yeah, well, that's, that's where my red hair gets, uh, that, that's where my red hair yeah. gets even redder. It's when people do the, the crossover. Yeah. So I'm really, but you can um, see clearly that this is not oriented towards yeah. that at all. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you, you, it isn't just, Oh, I'll, I'll get this and, uh, select uh, beta uh, and, and train beta. Uh, like 
which wouldn't necessarily be a great idea for everybody. Uh, some maybe, but not everybody. And uh, or train. Uh, you know, ADD. Frontal, Everybody's got ADD. Yeah, this is, train yeah. frontal theta because I heard frontal midline theta was a good thing. Well, that's you right. Know, you know, so. I'm pushing the differentiation, and and you know, Paul and Corey, it sounds like you have a really differentiated a product with a, a precise target uh, audience, and um, you know, with specific uh, personal betterment. Um, our, you know, personal yeah. development objectives. So, you know. I, I would urge yeah. you to go to their YouTube channel, which mm -hmm. is probably going to be on screen right about here somewhere. Uh, 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 and, and, uh, and, and actually look at the people that they've pulled in at, as uh, developmental consulting. Uh, to you know how how do we come up with a product that we have and you know who is kind of behind it and I, I think you're going to be impressed with the not only the 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 depth of individual members but the breadth of the representation that you're going to see so uh, um uh, uh, and you're not going to see anybody out there uh, suggesting that this is a dodge around something that, that, that this is all oriented towards uh, development, personal development, uh, uh, enhanced cognitive uh, uh, function and control. And um, uh, both both on the activating end of the spectrum, as well as the uh, lower uh, uh, dropping arousal, uh, meditative state and all of that. So there, there, there's a broad spectrum of applications and they've got uh, all of that programmed in in multiple ways to to get it uh, in the software and each of them end up having a well-considered depth um, cool downs uh, uh, proof levels you know it, you, no you can't learn to do that until you can show me that you can actually control your smr you know and so the uh, little proof levels and then uh, cool downs i mean the, the uh, how it's been designed and laid out is is got as much error trapping as i've seen in any of these devices well we've had 5 uh, years <laughs> so <laughs> how do we buy this paula where oh, do we go how does it work it's it's on the website. It's just it, it's exactly the what the name is. SENS.ai. So sense sensei. Um yeah. Sensei. It took me a few times. Okay, you go there, you can buy the hardware and the software is a subscription. Like what yeah, it's it is a subscription actually. Um, each headset will take uh like we assume it's for a family or a group of friends maybe that live together. So it's like or maybe a co-working space. So it's five people can be supported on one headset everybody has their own account part of the reason is because another um uh, you know brilliant thing that jay shared with us was that we should be thresholding across sessions so each account is personalized so we know if people are having a good day a bad day if we can nudge them up a little bit more or not um so there's a lot of uh of that nuance built into the algorithm so yeah, so everybody has their own personal account, and there's a subscription. And tra tracking thresholds was a, a contribution historically from Joel Lubar, ah. uh, demanding that we use learning curves yes. to actually see if you're training something, is it actually being trained?
changed, you know. So yes. Uh, um, uh, so it wasn't my idea, but I I I shared Joel's good idea. I I I steal only the good ideas from the best <laughs> folks. So. Yeah, and and I I want to point out just to, to clarify one piece on the event related potentials. We call it assess. We we talk about we do boost, train, and assess. Um, boost being PB, uh, photobiomodulation. Train being the heart rate variability training and the neurofeedback, and then assess being the event-related potentials. So on the event-related potential side, we use event-related potential methodology, right? But again, because we are a consumer device, um, we chose a particular, uh, you know, with Tato, Dr. Tato's help, um, we chose the flanker test. Um, and we are able to give people information that is not medical. Like it's not actually event related potentials that we're presenting. We're not presenting the components. We're saying, this is your accuracy. This is your reaction time. Um, right. This is your, your speed of processing, but we we're doing it in a way that's actually useful for a peak performer. So we just wanted, Corey and I just wanted the integrity of the data to be there. Um, and so event related potential methodology is, any study that that we read while we were learning in this space is based on has ERPs as the measure as the outcome measure, and we thought, why would we not try to incorporate that? And then we were fortunate enough to meet Dr. Tato uh, at an ISNR we presented at um, with Jay's help, and that was probably two years ago now. And he he approached us actually because he heard that we were adding event related potentials. And at the time, we were going to do an auditory test, and he he shared with me right that he he had he was like one of one of the experts in ERPs in the world, and that he thought we had something pretty cool because it could go mobile, and he wanted to to uh, to help us out. And so then we just learned a ton around ERPs from him. And if you haven't noticed already, Corey's a bit of a polymath. And so he's my my secret weapon in this stuff. So we've been learning and absorbing, and um, and Tata was the expert on the ERP. So he helped us to make it really uh, high integrity data. So we have it to one millisecond precision. Yeah. Well, and, you better keep and at your the same time, up. it's not a medically in, intended ERP. Uh, you're, you're you're pulling information off of the ERP waveform and giving it back to people as as outcome metrics from uh, their training. So uh, um, it, it, you're you're not intending to have uh, ERP researchers use it for uh, uh, an ERP study independent of of just using it within your system. Uh, the um you, you know it, it it's still general health and wellness in, intended and um uh, the the ERP uh is i think you're referring to it as a brain pulse um yeah or, um and that's uh, that gets away from the event related potentials of medical test you know and that's if right. it's a brain pulse well you're you're just taking the the pulse or the the outcome measure, and uh, That's right. uh, um, uh, so again, it's it's deliberately doing um, general health and wellness without trying to circumvent something. Uh, it, it's it's the actual intent. Uh, mm -hmm. You're not providing ERP waveforms for comparison, and 
you know, one laboratory's ERP P300 and another laboratory's P300 can't be compared because all you That's have right. to change is one little tiny thing and it changes the outcome. So it's, it's unique to your device. Okay. Um, if you change the degree of radius of the image on the screen, it changes. Inner stimulus interval. Uh, um, I, I mean, uh, lumens, how bright the screen is. Exactly. Um, it, it change anything and it changes the outcome. So uh, uh, we're not trying to say, you know, that ERP medical uh uh, device well you can take the waveform from ours and compare it to that or something this is not it's not possible it's, it's, this is deliberately structured uh, so you're extracting features um, and and using that as feedback outcome measures mm -hmm. exactly that's s-e-n-s Cato taught you well s-e-n-s.ai <laughs> Make sure your inventory levels are up, Paula and Corey. Get by the phones <laughs> when we get done with this podcast. <laughs> Dr. Marie Swingle, Dr. Uh, Jake Uncleman, man, who's read over 500,000 no brain scans. Thank you for coming on another fine episode of the NeuroNoodle Network podcast. Great chatting. Great job, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Out. thank you, guys. That was really great meeting you guys. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. 